0: Welcome to episode 39 of the Bill and Alliance Podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, I've got Dave Huss from eCommerce Stubble, where we're going to talk about paid advertising with Google Pay-Per-Click and something called remarketing. And before we start today, one thing I want to start doing is to start doing some e-commerce store reviews. So one thing you'll notice as a store owner is that it's hard to step away from your store and get an objective opinion on what's working or what could be improved. It's like you're stuck inside a bottle and you're trying to look from the outside in, uh, but it's basically impossible to do. So if you're listening to this, and you have an e-commerce store that's already running, Uh, you want someone to kind of check it out, uh, what's working, what could be improved, uh, go ahead, shoot me an email, uh, terry at buildmyonlinestore.com. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start a test run of maybe five websites in the next month, releasing them one per week. And so what I'll do is I'll do a video review, I'll give you the first impressions I got, and what improvements you can make based off my first impressions as a first-time visitor. So if this is something you're interested in, shoot me an email, terry at buildmyonlinestore.com. And with that being said, let's get into this week's episode. So a lot of store owners I talk to, uh, they have their store up. You know, they have some sales, but they're struggling to really break out to the next level. And so, where does where do you even start when you're going to analyze uh, your traffic and your optimization?
1: It really depends on the niche that you're in, but in general, uh, you definitely the first thing you have to do is install Google Analytics that's definitely the first thing to do. It's free and it's actually pretty powerful. You can enable e-commerce tracking and so once you do that you can see what marketing channels actually brought you sales. A lot of times I've worked with e-commerce centers it's surprising the sales aren't always coming from where they think they are. So uh, an e-commerce store owner could be doing a lot of Facebook marketing but it's actually organic searches that are bringing them a lot of revenue so they're focusing their effort in the wrong place. Yeah, and the thing is there's so many
0: channels now too to monitor. Like you have Twitter, Facebook, organic SEO. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um like banner ads, you know, it's there's so many different ways that you can try and sell your products, but yeah, the nice thing about Google Analytics, you can see the breakdown, however many channels you have, which ones make you money and which ones are losing you money.
0: How has paid search changed since, say like two, three years ago, to up to now?
1: I guess like three years ago, paid search was one, easier to do and to cheaper but especially with AdWords it has gotten more and more expensive over the past couple years it used to be you could just throw up a, a yellow highlighter sales page and buy some clicks on Google and you know you'd be making money but now it's not really that simple anymore I would say the bar used to be a lot lower not as many people were advertising Google wasn't as strict on their policies um, but now you you really have to be careful it's AdWords is a great tool to make money but it's also a great tool to lose a lot of money if you're not careful I see a couple things over and over again that people new to AdWords will consistently mess up on probably number one is using broad match keywords when they should be trying to narrow it down with a, either a phrase or an exact match keyword so what that'll do is if you have a broad match keyword in AdWords Google will match any search query in any order that has those words in it. So if your broad match is something like red shoes, you could end up serving ads for where do I buy red shoe pancakes, (laughs) something like that. Yeah, you really have to be careful with broad match keywords. That's a great way to give Google a lot of money and get nothing out of it. For our portable bars, looking at the search queries that people use to click on our ads, that's actually important if you haven't done that in your AdWords account. You can see the search queries, the exact ones that people use to find your ads.
0: And these are the ones that they actually clicked, right?
1: Yes, so the search query that they typed into Google and they clicked on your ads, some of them are interesting. For our our portable bar company, um, we found out people were searching for, like, portable bar rentals and some bar named Portable Bar Chicago you know, things like that, that we should not be serving ads for. So you can use what's called negative keywords, which will exclude your ads from any search that has those keywords. If someone is searching for, you know, red shoes, and you don't want to serve ads for the red shoe pancake restaurant, you can just put a negative keyword for pancake, and then your ads will not show up there
0: oh so any any search that has in it, google will never show
1: your ads yeah
0: and i heard there's some keywords that you should always put in there like free yes
1: that's a great idea free cheap i mean it depends on your niche so maybe you're going after you know cheap but in general you probably don't want those clicks they're just going to waste your time yeah so anything
0: where there's no buying intention or they're looking for like a free solution you should always block out so you don't get billed for the click
1: (laughs) and on the flip side of that if they're searching for buy red shoes then that's probably more valuable to you so you might want to bid more for that keyword
0: all right and so uh let's move on to a little about uh optimization um so you wanted to kind of go over that but i didn't know where to start so i'll just kind of let you kind of we'll just kind of see where this goes so
1: for optimization i'd say probably some of the biggest and easiest things you can do is one your buy buttons are like above the fold so people don't have to scroll down to see your buy button. That's a really easy one that can make a big difference because a lot of times people just don't scroll down and a lot of people don't realize that you basically have only a few seconds to convince someone to stay on your website or leave if your best content is below the fold maybe they won't see it and you know they're gone
0: and it seems this is a very i guess it's like a subconscious thing when i'm on e-commerce i don't an notice it but if it's on the bottom sometimes i'll just be like oh you know i'll go i'll I'll bounce off the page yeah
1: i mean it it seems like almost like so trivial like oh i have to scroll down who cares but really because attention is so short on the internet it actually makes a a bigger difference than you would think the extra effort to scroll down and have you found any uh different results
0: with like different button colors because i know a lot of internet marketing community talks about oh your buttons should be this color so it's like if it's a green versus a red or something like that
1: yeah so uh i would say in general use a bright color like orange or yellow for your your add to cart button but that yeah that's something that you can test for your own website I know Google Analytics now has uh, an experiment tool where you can test different versions of your pages. The software that I use frequently is Optimizely. That lets you edit your pages like in a visual way, so you don't have to make changes to code and things like that. Google Analytics has their own, I would say, basic split testing tool. And then Optimizely is uh, a different company and it's a, a much more advanced tool to do split testing with. So we talked about your product button, your buy button
0: should be above the fold. Uh, What's next?
1: Testing out the title of your product. Actually a good example we had for our our cat furniture business. We created a new product called uh, an automatic litter box hider. For those kind of big uh, litter boxes that automatically scoop out your cat's droppings, we created like a a cabinet that you can store that in and kind of hide it so it doesn't look so ugly. But people would come to the page and not really buy it and we weren't getting a lot of interest in the product and we didn't know why. And what happened was one of the suppliers told us that people were asking for the large litter box hider and not the automatic litter box hider. I tested an AdWords you know, which title got more clicks, either automatic litter box hider or large litter box hider. The difference was like huge it was like four times more people clicked on large litter box hiders so
0: i guess automatic is not a feature that owners are looking for well i
1: think it may have been confusing an automatic litter box hider maybe they thought like the doors automatically open to hide a litter box or something that one little change pretty much doubled or tripled the sales of that product that's funny
0: because you would think people hate scooping out litter
1: yeah well it It's just a cabinet that goes around an automatic litter box. So yeah, maybe there was some confusion there over what it actually did. But large litter box hider, I guess it's easy to understand and more people bought it, so that's what we named it.
0: Yeah, and this makes sense to test everything because if it sounds good as an idea where you you automatically scoops the later and it hides it. It sounds good but on paper, but I guess the results just didn't show up, so. All right, so uh, we do split testing and your buy buttons. Uh, do you have a third one?
1: Yes, so it's important to remember to not jump to conclusions too early. Actually, most of the split testing tools will tell you when you've reached statistically significant results kind of a rule of thumb, you have to keep in mind a hundred conversions per variation that you're going to test. This can actually be a problem for e-commerce stores because they're probably not selling a hundred items unless it's like a low priced item. Usually that'll just make the test take longer, but you have to kind of keep in mind, okay, if I only sell 50 widgets a month, this test is going to take probably two months or more, because it can be really easy. Maybe you had, let's say, three really good customers go to the first variation of your page and you think, oh, wow, that's so great. This one's doing so much better. But by the end of the test, you might realize, oh, actually, the other variation was better.
0: Like what is the optimal time range to kind of test the campaigns, like one month, two months, or is there like a certain metric you should be looking for instead?
1: Yeah, there's the metric is, and Google Analytics will tell you for their experiments when it's significant and also optimizely will as well. They'll tell you with what percent confidence you can believe the results. So I think it's over 95% is the standard. So if your results are 95% confidence, then you can go ahead and make decisions based on those.
0: So they basically try to calculate it for you based on the data crunching they do themselves.
1: Yes, so that's the nice thing about using software like that. It does all the hard math work for you, but you have to keep in mind when you're planning out the test in advance, how long is it going to take you to get hundred conversions and does that make sense for you
0: have you found a hundred conversions to be kind of like the optimal to like end the test or would you strive for something more
1: yeah so i would say it's kind of the minimum but it really depends on how different the results are in your variations so if your one product page sells twice as many products as the other one, it might take less than 100 conversions before you're sure that it's significant. But if they're almost the same amount of products sold, it's going to take a lot longer to be significant. One thing is whenever you're sending paid traffic to your e-commerce store, usually it's a bad idea to send it to the homepage, especially if you have more than one product. If you're writing ads for a litter box hider, send them straight to the litter box hider product page instead of your homepage, you will actually find that you get more conversions that way because you remove that extra step that people have to You know, try and find what they're actually looking for on your website.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Because if they want to find your about page, they can always click back. They can do it on their own,
1: right? Right. So there's kind of a saying, if you're sending paid traffic to your homepage, you're probably wasting money. I've found that to be mostly true.
0: Yeah, it it makes sense because you don't want to target the keyword and then finally direct them to somewhere that doesn't matter.
1: Right. And it's expensive to advertise on AdWords, so you only want the people to click that are very likely to buy so, make it as easy as possible for them to buy.
0: There's, there's a saying I read somewhere that you should put your shipping before the checkout page. So, because some people will probably click buy and then they'll see the shipping and then they'll throw the cart away. Is that something you found in your? Yes, check?
1: we've found that a lot actually, especially on some of our higher priced products. Where the shipping is like over fifty dollars, over a hundred dollars. If we disclose that right on the product page, we get a lot less people that are surprised by the high shipping price in the cart. People will abandon carts for high shipping prices. I think that's actually the number one reason why people abandon.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I do that too. Like I'll I'll just add and I'll see the shipping and if it's too expensive, I'll I'll, I'll just like ah,
1: I don't really need this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And. Maybe that's something you should test out is free shipping on your site if you can.
0: So, when we're talking about card abandonment and optimization, like would it make sense to focus on Say, card abandonment first since it's closest to the actual sale, or would you kind of start from the front of, like, traffic?
1: In Shopify, I would start with the card abandonment just because it's really easy to set up because of abandoned app and eLasso. You could probably do it in, like, half an hour to an hour. Yeah, so I would do that, set up an automatic email that goes out after, like, a few hours to remind your customer. Then after that, I would go back and kind of optimize the front part of your sales funnel. Especially any pages that you're sending paid traffic to, those are the ones that you want to focus on getting high conversions because you can bid more for keywords that way.
0: Okay, and so what is the kind of the average card amendment rate you've seen across the different businesses?
1: Um in our businesses it's always been over fifty percent, sometimes seventy percent or more. I think that's pretty normal for e-commerce I'd say probably the more expensive products are more likely to get abandoned they're more valuable to follow up on as well it makes it interesting
0: because if the average industry rate is like 50 to 70 like it makes you wonder like what Amazon has since they're so huge too right
1: yeah I'm I think Amazon's probably dealing with that same problem since they started (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah and like amazon has one of the best upselling like their, their website is always optimized to like like you don't even know stuff you'll buy and they'll like throw it in your face you like, oh wow
1: <laughs> yeah you might be interested in this you're like oh you're right i am interested in that yeah and i think you can definitely get some inspiration from them they're always testing they never stop and that's really important in e-commerce that you are always trying to optimize i don't think there's really a point where you can just say Okay, I'm done, like it's perfect. Um, even Amazon hasn't gotten there yet.
0: Yeah, I guess the situation would be when you had a hundred percent conversion, right? Right. But it's
1: <laughs> probably not gonna happen online.
0: Yeah, and so the portable bar stuff is a very in like catfrench is all very big items, right? And so uh with these products that customers can't see in front of them before they buy, like what are some other ways you can get past uh, kind of the barriers to purchasing? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. With really expensive products, it's probably gonna take you multiple touches to the customer to get them to buy. So it's nice if you have maybe a photo gallery or product videos, that's great ways to to sell expensive products. And actually having a phone number is probably one of the biggest things that you can do. Because if someone's gonna drop, I would say more than a few hundred dollars, on something online they're probably gonna want to talk to somebody on the phone
0: yeah, i think you're exactly right. that's what one of my guests said they sold uh ceiling fans and lights that were like 300 to 600 us and basically they had to get everyone on the phone to then convert into a sale so and
1: actually there is a service called log my calls And you can actually kind of test uh, your phone numbers, like keep track of how many calls you get from your website from different channels. And it actually ties into Google Analytics. So if you are an e-commerce store that focuses mostly on phone leads for more expensive products, I would definitely check that out. Uh, We've used that for our portable bar company.
0: So we just use a dedicated phone number on the website. So, you know, all calls that go there come through from the web?
1: That's the basic idea. You can like buy multiple phone numbers and display them based on the channel. So if someone visits the Portable Bar website from an organic search on Google, they're going to see a different phone number than someone who came from AdWords, and they're going to see a different number than someone who came from Facebook. Uh, Because otherwise, yeah, otherwise we have no idea. And it used to be that that kind of tracking was super expensive and like only reserved for big companies. But I think the one that we use is like 70 bucks a month or something. And yeah, it's pretty reasonable. And that was really the missing piece for our bar company business for the longest time because we would advertise on AdWords and have pretty much no idea like where people were calling from.
0: Or well, how they even found you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so what have been the
0: results from that then? Since the bars are really high priced items, has it been organic been better or like paid? or?
1: Um, our organic was the best until Google sent out the Penguin update and our ranks have pretty much been bad since then, although they were improving a little bit lately. But our main source of leads is still AdWords Portable Bar Company
0: And I guess the margins are enough to cover it too since it's such a big ticket item
1: Yeah, the margins are, are good enough to cover uh, a lot of AdWords spending there
0: I guess if your product is under $50, going on AdWords would really kill your margins Yeah, it's
1: really hard um, unless you have a super high conversion rate to sell something under 50 bucks on AdWords Going on what we just said, actually, something that we've been experimenting with on the portable bar company is remarketing. So remarketing is basically you put like a tracking cookie on your e-commerce store. Anyone who visits your store, they go somewhere that has a Google display ads or Bing display ads, you know, for example, like a news website, even though that's your website you can still serve them display ads to remind them about your business these are after they've been
0: to your store they go somewhere else yes
1: so they go to your store and you put a tracking cookie on their computer as part of you know whatever remarketing service you're using and if they go somewhere that has display advertising which is over 95 percent of the internet actually based on Uh, the stats they gave, you can show display ads back to them to remind them about a special offer you have or whatever product they saw it's uh, it's pretty cool and a little bit creepy. I've seen this before
0: because sometimes I'll be on some random news website and I'll see a Shopify ad and I'll be like what? why is Shopify advertising here? Is, is, that, is that how it comes up?
1: Yep, that's exactly it. So if you visit our portable bar website and you go pretty much anywhere else on the internet that has a display ad, sooner or later you're going to see an ad for portable bars.
0: Yeah, I always thought it was really creepy. Like why would, how did they know like I was visiting, I, I remember visiting this like a week ago. How did they know to throw this in my face? Okay.
1: It's pretty new. Uh, There's not a lot of e-commerce stores doing it, especially the smaller ones. The results that we've seen from the service we use is called AdRoll. It's been pretty impressive. Uh, We haven't really spent a lot of money, but because the people we're reaching were already at our website at some point, uh, we brought back a lot of customers that way.
0: Nice. And so... I assume you can measure it by the clicks too, right? Once they're at some other website.
1: Yes. So yeah, in Google Analytics, we can see you know how many people came back through AdRoll and bought something from us. Then.
0: And what has the conversion rate been? That has it been pretty higher? Or-
1: Coming back from AdRoll, I would say the conversion rate is probably two to three times higher than it was for someone who. It was their first visit to the website, um, but in some cases, it can be even a lot more than that. Nice.
0: And so is AdRoll like a flat monthly fee or is it kind of like pay-per-click based on how many clicks? There's
1: a couple different remarketing platforms, I guess you could call it. But for AdRoll, you bid based on, I think, a thousand impressions, uh, a CPM. If you're on ad roll it pays to have ads that people click a lot on because you're not paying for clicks you're playing you're paying for impressions on ad roll i think most of the remarketing platforms do that and it
0: makes more sense because they've already been to your site so it makes sense to do impression i guess
1: yeah i think it's probably just too confusing for them to track like click costs
0: yeah yeah that's probably a whole infrastructure
1: thing for them <laughs> So this is. So how
0: long has remarketing been around?
1: I mean, I'm sure it's been around a couple of years, but it's just recently that it's really been taking off because you can actually do it in AdWords also. You can do remarketing straight from AdWords, but I would actually recommend, unless you're pretty advanced with AdWords, just using something like AdRoll. It's a lot easier to do remarketing that way.
0: I, I guess if, if I was already on a cat furniture site and I saw a banner for it, I would be more likely to click it than some text, I guess. Yeah,
1: so yeah, banner ads is usually the way to go for that. Uh, The one thing that I would say to e-commerce store owners is you always have to be thinking about ROI. Whether you're doing AdWords or trying to build up uh, some kind of SEO campaign or social media, you always have to consider what is the return you're getting on either the money you're spending or the time you're spending. You have to be tracking the stuff if you want to make more money online than you are now this is how you do it find what's working and make it even better so you can make more money all right
0: well thanks so much dave that's all i have so listeners you guys can find out more about dave at dot and we'll see you guys next time you for listening to this episode of the build my online store podcast